0: Meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. This is Follow the Leaders on KCLR. Funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. You're very welcome along to follow the leaders on KCLR where each week we hear from the people who are leading the way, making the changes necessary to meet the challenges posed by climate change and are working to reduce their carbon footprint. I'm Deirdre Drummy, and I'm joined in studio by my co-presenter, Robbie Dowling and we'll be with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Robbie, another lovely, bright Wednesday evening. Maybe good evening to get out for a walk or a cycle.
1: Certainly is, Deirdre. Really nice. Great to see that the weather is turning and that spring is coming so Absolutely. really nice weather okay.
0: and uh, of course that brings us nicely along to this evening's programme where we are continuing our conversations about travel and transport um, and you've been talking all things cycling this week
1: yeah it does bring us along nicely because as you said I've been talking all things cycling a little bit later on we'll hear from former Carlo football manager Terlo O'Brien who is now an avid cyclist and he'll explain to us kind of the various advantages of cycling Parker Garman of the Carlo County council will explain the council's active travel initiative and their local climate action plan so a lot of good work being done in Carlo county council along this area but first carlow firefighter paul curran explained to me how he cycles on a day to day basis and how he implements it into his own life i began by asking paul about his roles with the fire service and the Carlo county council to give us some context about what he gets up to on most days
2: well i work full-time in the county council as an admin officer And then I also have a a job as a sub-officer in the fire service. I've been in both jobs for nearly
1: 38 years. And how did you become involved, I suppose, in both, if you start with the the county council and then maybe work your way through to the fire service?
2: Uh, Well, I joined uh, the county council in January 1986, so that's when I was made permanent. And uh, within a couple of months, the opportunity came up uh, to go for the fire service. They were looking for young people to go. I was young at the time <laughs> uh, to join the fire service. Uh, so I put my name into the, into the fold and uh, got called to an interview. And, should, the rest is history. I, I got in anyway. So that's, that's how it happened. My full-time job at the time was kind of a yards man. But I went back to college then a few years later and uh, took on a degree, and then later a master's and got promoted to a technician and then on to an admin officer. So, not to be said for going back to college, you know.
1: Certainly is.
2: I'm lucky enough to be able to do the two jobs for the last few years, yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot to be said going back to college but there's also a lot to be said for cycling as i said in the introduction there you obviously very big into cycling and you use it a lot as a mode of transport not even just recreationally again could you explain to us how you got interested in that well,
2: um, I think that, that goes back even to around 1982, when I had an opportunity to, to get myself a little bike, and uh, I used it for college because I was in college back then too, uh, doing engineering in the local RTC as it was at the time, and it was just it was a good spin out the road to go walk every morning and in the evening. So I just picked up a bike. And uh, more or less, uh, for those three or four years I was in college then, I would uh, cycle out, and it was handy enough, there was very few cars back then anyway, in the college, so there was no issue parking up the bikes, let alone cars. Um, And uh, that's how I kind of got started. It just seemed practical to use the bike at the time. Uh, It was safe enough even then. Um, and then when I got appointed in the county council, I just continued on. I actually, I, I, of course, I do have a car. I have a car license and I have a truck license. Um, but it's just handy, I as well suppose. As my wife used the car most of the time, getting the, the kids in and out of college and school and so on. So it's handy rather than tying up the car all day in the car park from, say, nine to five, basically. Um, it makes sense to go in and out on the bike. I go home at lunchtime. So on average, i get about twenty five to thirty minutes a day of cycling and it's built into the day, I don't think about it. So it makes sense from that point of view as well, that you're getting your few steps in so to speak, um, your bit of exercise and um it's it's gone, it's good for the lungs. I'm nearly sixty years of age at the moment and I can I can run a five K without any hassle. And uh, I could prepare for a ten K with a bit of exercise as well. So that all goes back to cycling in and out, it's healthier. You see more of what's going on around you as well, so makes sense to me anyway.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to pick up on there. And I think when you explain it like that, it would make sense to a lot of people listening in. Um, But just to go back all the way to when you started to cycle, and then the more and more you did it, when did you start to use it, start going away from it? I suppose you still do it recreationally for enjoyment. But when did you start to use it more for as a form of a mode of transport to get around the place?
2: Well, basically from uh, day one basically um, I, I always used it going back again to 82 I always used it it just said made sense um, to use it because I, I live in town which is a, it's a bonus I live just uh, out the the road there so I can get in and out to work or to college or whatever it was I was doing at the time or just generally visiting people or whatever so I've always used it it's it made you know it's always seemed the best option um, obviously I have the car then for long distance, you know, to go to Dublin or Kleheni or somewhere like that, shopping or whatever. But otherwise I'd use the car uh, the the bicycle the whole time. No, that's how
1: that happened really. Yeah, and is it something that you enjoyed from the start, Paul? Because I suppose for a lot of people starting anything new, especially something like cycling, uh there can be sometimes uh, an unwillingness to, to do something like that. But is it something that not just you, but a lot of people pick up and they just kinda love it from the start, as it is with any form of exercise really?
2: Um, yeah, it's safer today. Obviously, the, the, the local authorities and and other groups put a lot of effort in in recent years to promote, um, you know, the cycle lanes and so on. So it's it's a lot safer today than um, than it was years ago. It's a bit nuts around roundabouts and stuff like that because for every person that drives correctly, there's one or two that don't. And same with bicycle. people using bicycles as well. They, they, they need to be aware and, and comply with the regulations themselves. Some people do take a few shortcuts and chances needlessly, you know. But generally speaking, it's safer today to cycle than it would have been 20, 30 years ago. Um, And there's more answers on it. There's a lot of little extremes you can do. You can get a set of lights there, traffic flashing lights or whatever, two or three euros in the pound shop or whatever. Or you can get better quality ones in in Coleman's or or places like that, you know. And you can get a little high-vis waistcoat if you're into that kind of thing for two or three euros as well, which is... um, very handy and uh, short evenings and so on, a bit of extra protection. But uh, it is definitely way safer today, uh, cycle than it would have been years ago. You know, so it shouldn't shouldn't be, people shouldn't be nervous about cycling. And there's a lot more cycle lanes, as you say, um, that are kind of built in on the paths as well. So obviously be careful of, of people. Other people are using the paths as well. But if you comply with the rules, everybody should be able to get on, no problem.
1: And from a physical activity point of view, I suppose, there isn't much more of a stark contrast in transport from cycling to maybe you know driving a car in the sense that obviously from an environmental perspective one is far outweighs the other in terms of the benefits that is cycling is better than driving a car but also from exercise and physical activity i mean you're just sitting down if you're in the car whereas with cycling as you said yourself i mean you're able to do 5k you're touching 60 you could potentially do 10k does all of that stem back from the cycling and that does that give you a love I suppose for exercise
2: oh absolutely yeah Again, I find it if you build it into your day you don't have to worry too much about it. Um, obviously if you can do a little bit of extra ex- uh, exercise is no harm but it's built into my day sort of, as I'm coming and going to work and home for lunch and whatever so I don't have to worry about it. getting me 30 minutes in there and I do tend to walk a bit as well uh, in the evenings and so on it's used to the boot camp, that was a good crack as well um, but it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, there are just extra things you can do but um I haven't done boot camps now in a couple of years. But I find the uh, the cycle covers it fairly fairly good, you know. So yeah, I'd be happy enough to stay going at it anyway. I do think it's it's the way forward. Um, especially with the cost of petrol and diesel and so on and as I said when you're up on your bike the light breeze in your face there's is, is nothing nicer especially on a good day but say wild skins you can get an Aldi or somewhere like the Earl Um, I call them wild skins leggings or whatever for a couple of euros as well and you can cycle away in, in the less uh, dry weather so to speak but it's all good fresh air in the face you can see what's going on around you you can hear the birds in the morning you can see the, you know all villains buildings like the cathedral and the college and all you see everything you know, people out walking and you can just wave at people when you're in the car you are locked into your car they can barely see you especially with those tinted windscreens so people see you wherever you wave back at them you can stop and talk pull in out of the way have a chat and uh, it's great way to meet people and see things Um so it's all good I can't think of anything negative about using your bike to get in and out of town and uh to take exercise
1: and so on it's all good and obviously it clearly works for you do you think it's feasible for the majority of people particularly i suppose in urban areas that they can do this they can easily cycle to work or get to wherever they need to get to with a bike rather than using you know the other modes of transport that are constantly mentioned
2: uh, very much so absolutely it's unfortunate even here in, in the county council a lot staff do um the, you know, to travel a fair bit in and out in their cars, which is not a big deal. We have a bicycle shed around the back there. You can you can pick up a bike in Coleman's or, or uh, any of those uh, other bicycle shops there for a couple of hundred euros or even cheap and pick up a second-hand one if you just want to give it a run. Um, and you can park it up there and lock it away; it's safe. And you can uh, cycle in and uh, in and around. And uh, you know, especially in the nice, spring evenings coming out, and the summer coming in as well. Um, and, you know, you can go for a cycle with staff, or colleagues, or whatever, just go for it uh, uh, during your lunch break or whatever. Get your sandwich in to you go as far as Oak Park or somewhere which are half an hour dinner break or hour dinner break, and have a sandwich there, and uh, nip on back in. and You're getting plenty of exercise and you're seeing everything and you getting the fresh air into your lungs. And the more fresh air you get into your lungs, the longer, you make, in my view, anyway, so it's
1: all good. Yeah, and you mentioned our fresh air, exercise, and all of those things, but there's so many different components to having strong mental health, which is a hot topic at the moment as well. Do you yeah. feel like cycling actually improves your mental wellbeing because you're doing all of these things at once without even knowing it really? Oh, very much
2: so. Like, I um, oh, not there's not a doubt in the world about that. Like, obviously being out in the fresh air, um, it has to be good for you. I can't see why you can't be. you know what I mean? You're taking in fresh, healthy air. you have seen you know, here now and I, I'm standing out here. I just had to come in on my bike. I had to go to the fire station, do up a report there, and there's birds whistling there in the trees, and it's lovely fresh even and uh, the bike is beside me here and I'm just going kind to of pull it in here now and uh, again it's all good fresh um, healthy air you're bound to feel good
1: at the end of the day and it's obviously been very good for you as we said but have you found that more people are cycling now compared to when you started 30 years ago
2: and I don't know really to if you think back in the 1950s and 60s before my time I might add um, but you'd often see the, you know on, on the RT news or you know those kind of documentaries about people going to football matches they were remarkable people, remarkable people back then like they'd cycle in to work in the sugar factory or whatever six o'clock in the morning all the way from Castle Dermot or Ford or Kilcullen or whatever do 12 hour shift and cycle home in the evenings or whatever Uh, six days a week and then on the seventh day they didn't mass and went to the football match if you see the football matches back then you see all the bikes parked up to was like somewhere in China for God's sake it's just um, everybody would cycle back then and they lived long healthy lives the majority along for their diet or whatever but uh, they were super fit they must have ferocious muscles on their legs like cycle in for six days a week there and do a full day's work so in that sense there's not as many cycling and then a lot of people are going with these e e e scooters, which, in my opinion, they're better than nothing. But there's no exercise in them. Like, you know, you can't do a yeah. cycling, a push bike, even a racer bike. Say uh, is not is more efficient. But if uh, they're offered a little uh, a less efficient bike, because you're getting a better workout. Like uh, the bike I have is a hybrid. It's kind of a half mountain bike and half um, a racer bike. But I, I find that better because, as I said, it's less efficient. So you're getting a better workout, but at the same time, it's it's, it's very efficient, and you get your your you know you get from being safety enough. And um, the racers, you tend to have your head down and your backside up as they hear, so to speak. So that I think it's bad for your back because you're arching your your neck. So I think a good and you know, a um, combi bike, I think they call them, um, are better. You know, for on
1: or ordinary cycling rather than racing or whatever. You know. And very finally, Paul, before I let you go, do you feel as though there's enough incentives in place for people to either pick up cycling or continue cycling?
2: Oh, absolutely. The, 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 you know, it's, it's definitely well promoted on on the TV and on, on the media, on the radios like itself as well. Um, there's various, um, I know a few year ago they had the Back to Work scheme, where you could um, you could buy it. It's interesting it exists. That's how I got my first two or three bikes over the years. You can get one every five years, basically. And you can avail of it in terms of... Um to save on your on your on your on tax so, so the bike the bike i have is about 600 euros but because i'm working i could buy it for approximately 300 euros if i saved on the tax so i got a very good quality bike for basically half the price and i still have it in four or five year old and I'm still working fine so um there is incentives that's a good example of the back to um cycle scheme or cycle to work scheme um and i'm sure schools do it as well and various other um, institutions probably do it but there's more reason than ever you have the healthy reasons you save on the fuel and you're out in the fresh air and um, organizations are making every effort to to push it and promote um people cycling it's good for the environment it's good for your lungs as you said but it's good for the environment as well because you're not forcing out petrol and diesel fumes into the air so again it's all good
0: that was Carlo firefighter Paul Kern chatting with Robbie about the benefits of cycling daily and the general overview of cycling in the locality there. And Robbie, I mean, listening to Paul as he said himself, it's all good. Can't think of any negatives in terms of his experiences with cycling.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. <laughs> and uh, there's not a lot of things that you can say are all good. But when it comes to cycling. You know, we'll speak with Turlow O'Brien a little Mm. bit later. And there might be some negatives attached to it, but not due to the actual cyclists themselves. And I think it'll lead to maybe more of a culture change that's needed to support cycling. Because as you say, and as Paul said, it really is all good if it can be implemented properly. And the benefits are just so far and wide. It's it's incredible. And kind of, they're probably obvious to all of us when we listen to Paul, but sometimes they have to be kind of spoken and told to us to kind of remind us of why active travel, such as cycling, walking, things like that are so beneficial, not just from a personal perspective, if you're obviously, as Paul says there, you get far fitter, you're far healthier, and there's just huge benefits in that way. But also from an environmental perspective, I mean, it's chalk and cheese when you compare if you know we could transfer even half the cars on the road into bikes or anything like that, the impact it would have, the positive impact and change it would have on the environment is incredible. So... I think all good is a phrase maybe that can be loosely used but I actually think it applies perfectly when we talk about cycling and uh, as a form of transport more so than recreationally even.
0: And it's just uh, I suppose as well changing your thinking a little bit if you have shorter journeys don't always look to yeah. your, your car or whatever you know it's the bike is there and you can hear how Paul speaks so passionately about what it is for him both the, the environmental but the social aspects and he also brings in you know the cost saving side of it in terms of you know the, the when it comes to petrol and diesel, yeah. et cetera. so it's the cost-saving element of it there, um, and you know something as well that struck me is he's talking about how uh, cycling years ago everyone sort of yeah. was you know cycling to work. Are we reverting back to that? Are we trying to revert back to that?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point whether we almost have to go back. To start going forward and moving forward, yeah, and I think it is interesting when you when you consider. I don't think we can go back the whole way in the sense that obviously times have moved on, and there's always going to be cars on the roads and buses and different forms of you know heavier vehicles that are going at faster speeds compared to what it was in the past. Your commute as well,
0: obviously. But
1: I think yeah, exactly. But I think it comes back to the word I said. There needs to be a culture that harnesses cycling rather than it's almost like this thing that you know a small number of people do predominantly we're there to focus on cars on the road and put infrastructure in place for that. I don't think that's what we need to do. They do very well in the Netherlands and in Denmark and in Scandinavians countries whereby, and I've read a lot about it and and watched some documentaries and listened into things and podcasts and stuff, and they're able to do it in a way that they don't ostracise people in cars, because if you do that, you're not going anywhere anyway. Everybody needs to come in behind it. But they're able to do it kind of on a par between cyclists and cars, and they put brilliant, brilliant structures in place where cyclists can feel very welcome and safe and that's the most important thing and as you say it's dependent on commutes and that it's not going to be for everybody but If there's anybody listening in tonight, I suppose, if you could just ask yourself the question, could I potentially, whether it be now or in the short term, even the longer term, could I cycle to work? Could I cycle to the shop? Could I cycle to the match? Whatever it may be. And I think the answer in a lot of those cases where we think now is no, it actually is yes. But it it has to be supported as well.
0: Getting that thought process going and maybe you might need to put a bit of planning into it or it might be a case of what Paul was saying there. There's the bike to work scheme where maybe, you know, that can take some of the cost away from buying a bike or looking at second-hand options. But it's it's about really starting to, that process of thinking about it and just putting those plans in place.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think it's not something, I suppose, maybe the one thing that people always point that you can just hop in the car whenever you want. It's not like that with a bike. But as you say, dear John, I think you're, correct in what you're saying. It's just that little bit of planning in advance, it'll eventually become second nature. And it mightn't seem like that now, but as with any change you make in your daily routine or your life in general, it can seem like a huge change right now, but in a week, in two weeks, maybe even tomorrow, if you were to make that change, it wouldn't be all that big of a deal, but it's just about kind of making the initial step. That's the hardest step, but I think Paul said it there and, and we're going to hear from Turlough O'Brien and Park O'Gorman a little bit later on. You know, cycling really is the way forward and, and as you rightfully say, it's probably to go back, amend and adapt what we were doing in the past to look into the future. And I think that is the answer to a lot of the questions that are being asked at the moment.
0: Yeah, and um, I suppose as well from Paul's the other uh, Paul's interview there, the other thing that struck me is how it's also the social aspect of it or, you know, seeing more of your surroundings when you're out on the bike.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point as well.
0: more of your local area.
1: You do, yeah. I think you kind of, you take check more maybe than you would in a car and you just kind of, you can appreciate everything that little bit more when you're cycling. And I say that as somebody that, drives a car and doesn't I'm not on the bike anywhere near where I'd like to be but from doing these interviews and listening in more and being more conscious of kind of the environment and also the benefits from my own point of view of cycling you can actually tell that there's far more Advantages to getting on the bike and using it as a mode of transport than there is to being in the car. And look, there's benefits to both, but for me, I just I hear these people and how passionate they speak about it. And as you say, just from a social perspective, from seeing where you live, sometimes we, we almost don't we take that for granted, there's huge, huge benefits to cycling. So really can't emphasise that enough, I think, from the interviews that took place with Paul and with the other guests as well.
0: So we're looking at environmental um, benefits as well as what we're hearing, social and, I suppose, from the health and wellbeing side of it. But we are going to take a quick break now. And after the break, we're going to hear from Carlow County Council's Porrigo Gorman on the Council's Active Travel Initiative. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. Welcome back. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. I'm Deirdre Drummy and I'm also joined by Robbie Dowling. Now, Robbie, we're moving on and we're going to be talking about the Active Travel Initiative.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, the Active Travel Initiative. Um, a little bit earlier, I caught up with Carlow County Council's Park O'Gorman to discuss the initiative and the council's hopes for it moving forward. I began by asking Parik to explain to me what he does with the council.
3: Yeah, I'm a director of services with Carlow County Council, so part of the senior management team here. As suppose I oversee a, a delivery of a range of the uh, council services in the area of roads, uh, environment, climate action, water services, uh, emergency services and uh, capital projects.
1: And what's your background, Park? How did you get into this? Did you how many years have you been with the council? Could you give us a bit of a context there as well?
3: Yeah, when I graduated from college, I worked for a couple of years in 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 private in uh, for a, a fruit distribution company, I uh, then when, uh, joined uh, the county enterprise board. I worked there as a uh, enterprise development officer for a number of years, and then joined the county council uh, in Maxwell County Council uh, over twenty years ago, and I joined Carroll County Council three and a half years ago.
1: And we're here, I suppose, predominantly to talk about the Council's Active Travel Initiative. Could you explain to me what that is? Yeah, um, basically as
3: a part of this uh, government's uh, programme for government, one of the main uh, elements of it was the introduction of uh, an active travel programme and really what that is about is uh, trying to facilitate the modal shift from the mechanised car uh, and that to uh, what the term active travel which is basically walking, cycling uh, and that and also I suppose linked to it would be uh, better public transport services
1: and when we talk about active travel is it kind of not maybe recreationally but more so in the day-to-day living going to school going to work things like that is that what it's kind of aimed at
3: yeah it's not uh, exactly that it's not recreation so it's basically from your day-to-day activity so it's basically things like going to the shop going to work going to school um, and that's where the, the facilities and infrastructure are being
1: focused on and put in and what are the council putting in place, I suppose, if you go into more specifics, to try and implement this act active travel initiative?
3: Yeah, so we're into kind of the, the, the third year of it now, I suppose. The first year was around... Uh, um identifying the projects across the county. Uh, And we've a number of those, about 20 projects uh, identified in year one. Uh, Then obviously we had to look at the design of those, uh, the costing of those, Uh, and the active travel programme is overseen by the National Transport Authority. So all projects that we uh, develop have to be designed out and have to get their approval and is funded by them. So for 2023, we have a a total allocation of £2.7 here in Carlow and over 20 projects and they're all at, at various stages of some are in pre-development some are at statutory process from around getting planning approval etc uh, and then uh, ones that we would have developed say last year they're in the implementation uh, phase at the moment where we actually have contractors on site and uh, developing them out on the ground
1: Throughout this particular programme this evening we're speaking a lot about cycling is cycling kind of a key cornerstone of this initiative do you think?
3: Yeah, cycling is, is cycling and 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 walking. Um, and uh, the big thing about cycling, as suppose is that uh, you know it's uh, very much you have to make it that it's safe. That's the first thing that uh, w- w- people have to be. Uh, it has to be very accessible. It has to be become almost a, a daily occurrence. Uh, that it becomes part and parcel of that. Instead of using the car for the short trip or whatever, that you basically use the bike.
1: Is it kind of and again, this is a phrase that's been used a lot this evening it, will it take some form of a culture change? How quickly do you think it can happen, and how realistic is it to happen in the short term or is this more of a longer term project
3: yeah, I think there's a, a few uh, facets um to it Robert um, I think the younger generation will will you know take it on more quickly, but there's so many benefits to it from the point of view of you know simple things like noise. Uh, air quality because you're moving the car um, even things then like people's health uh, and then the whole uh, access and uh, being able to move quicker and uh, you know a lot of our town centres and uh, that are clogged up uh, and the only real way of freeing them up and getting that space back for people is to remove some, you know, in, in a progressive way and a sustainable way the number of cars and traffic that is uh, traversing through them.
1: And are you happy with the speed of progress of the initiative? Because I suppose when you think of the principles of it, they're very strong and they're really good going forward. But would you like it to move faster? Are you happy where it's at? What's the kind of overall feeling around that?
3: Yeah, look, it's a very strong initiative backed by the government. Um, and as an implementation of a programme, it has come, you know, very, very, very quickly from the point of view of dedicated full-time staff that are are paid for. And also the funding, once the project is approved, is 100 funded by DNTA whereas a lot of other projects that councils would apply for we have to find match funding uh, sometimes 10% 20% 25% uh, we sometimes have to try and do it to our existing uh, resources of, of, of our staff complement so to have a dedicated multi-annual program like this whereby there's substantial funding and staff resources I think shows the commitment to the program and yes I will be very pleased with the progress we're making to date Um, you will see a lot of the um, active travel projects being rolled out on the ground and we can we're starting to see you know more users now on bicycles walking because the infrastructure has gone in to do so and um, it's safe to do so.
1: And just generally with Climate Action Park, what are the kind of things that the council are looking at in particular at the moment?
3: Yeah, I suppose there's two things. Um, I suppose maybe just before I get into Climate Action, I'll just um, note that we're on the brink of launching our town bus service. So uh, that's been tendered out, uh, contractor uh, bus operator in place. Uh, we uh, enhanced the Carlo coach. Uh, Park uh, last year. Uh, The bus stops are being upgraded at the moment and at the moment we're hoping to go live with seven new buses for the town uh, uh, service at the end of May, early June of this year. So that'll be a major uh, new uh, benefit to the town and something that we're very much looking forward to and hopefully will help to again reduce some of the the, 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 the traffic congestion in the town. In relation to then specifically into climate action, each local authority are currently requesting to produce a local authority climate action plan so we've one year to do that we've received the guidelines and instruction from the minister to do that so that process now has uh, commenced Uh, we'll be talking to our stakeholders and developing uh, the plan over the next couple of months uh, and with a lot of community engagement as well in relation to getting you know people's views across the county and then we will be going out to public consultation on that plan probably at the end of the summer uh, for a a number of months and obviously we'll take that feedback and finalise it into the plan and and the plan has to be adopted within the the 12-month period. So, I suppose all with the intentions of a target of reducing our carbon emissions and the local authority target uh, is to reduce them by 51% uh, between our baseline year of the average of 2016 to 2018 and 2030. So, the actions that will uh, underpin the plan for delivery will have to close the gap to target in relation to what our baseline was in 2018 compared with 2030. So, there'll be a lot of... uh, uh,
1: actions there that will have to be delivered in order for the local authority to meet that target and just to pick up on something that you mentioned there park at the beginning the bus service how important will it be to implement that and for that to run smoothly in terms of laying down a foundation going forward when we talk about active travel initiatives and climate action plans do you think something like that is crucial
3: yeah, absolutely. And uh, something we've been uh, promoting and advocating for uh, is, a, you know, the town bus service. And also there's two additional county services, one from uh, Arclough across through Tolo and into Carlow, which got up and running last year. And I'm very pleased to be able to say that we now have a south county route going to commence in the early summer, which will service from New Ross all up to the south county and into Carlo operating each way three times a day. Um, so. With better public services, there's also an enhancement of the railway service uh, from Carroll uh, Rail Service and there's additional services there both uh, to Dublin and um, south to Kilkenny into Waterford. So with the additional public transport services, with the active travel infrastructure going in, um, we're making huge progress in relation to providing the facilities that should be able to enable uh, people to use the alternative to the car. And a lot of research has been done in this area. We still are uh, using the car for the majority of all our journeys, and easy, you know. I suppose the one that we can make most gains on there are where we're maybe doing a journey to Dublin and back, uh, and more importantly, where we're doing short journeys. Uh, you know, a lot of our journeys tend to be five and ten minute journeys, which are ideal for a short cycle or a quick walk, and all for the, the, the better benefits of you know, first of all the environment, but for people themselves as well.
1: And just on a general note as well, Park, in terms of the council, how much has it changed? You know, you mentioned maybe you have have great and vast experience uh, in it over the last two decades or more, but how much has it changed in terms of the focus on environmental causes, do you feel, over the last number of years, particularly the last five to ten years, I suppose?
3: Yeah, the big change, uh, Robert, would be that Environment before probably would have been seen as being almost just within the section of environment. And all those kind of, if you want to call it green issues or environmental issues, would have been dealt with within the the environmental section. Whereas now it's very much, um, you know, the environmental and climate action, if you want to call it, concerns are embedded in each section. So it's basically not just the people that work in environment, it's the people that work in planning, people work in roads, people work in corporate. They all now have to have a climate action uh, focus and a climate action agenda so that we're all feeding in in our day-to-day and uh, by doing that uh, make the improvements that are required.
1: And finally, Park, is that absolutely key in the sense that maybe it's not an exclusive thing anymore, that it's actually being incorporated into every single facet of life and what the council are doing? And in that way, it'll actually just naturally maybe progress.
3: Yeah, that's like a, what I would say about climate action that It's that it's everybody's responsibility. Like we all see the, the news and, you know, how, you know, it appears the climate is changing and how uh, more directors are responding to the, the, the global warming and, you know, there is action that has to be taken and it's basically every- Everybody's responsibility, whether it's in your home, in your day to day, how you go about your activities, or as here in the workplace. And from our point of view, it's a, an all of organisation uh, response and approach to it.
0: Pori Gogorman, there, Director of Services, chatting with Robbie um, and reflecting on the active travel initiative being implemented across the county by Carlow County Council. And back to the topic of cycling now, Robbie.
1: Yeah, I spoke with former Carlo football manager Turlow O'Brien about his love for cycling. The first question I posed to him was regarding how he got into cycling.
4: Oh God, I've cycling since I was a kid really, you know, and I suppose I really got into it when my father became county secretary and I used to deliver uh, the post, if you like, to the club secretaries around the county as a young teenager 12, 13, 14 I'd get on a bike and I'd plan a little route and I'd go delivering the letters along the all around the county and uh, I'd be gone for all day doing maybe the east of the county or the west of the county and I got to know all the back roads and uh,
1: the place names and places and so that's how I got into it really and then how has kind of your experience with cycling developed over the years have you become more and more interested in it is it recreationally is it day to day how has that kind of progressed
4: yeah I'm not my real interest in it is like, two things really is, is from a fitness point of view it's a great way to exercise uh, it's easy exercise especially at this uh, stage of my life Um it's 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 a great way for just to get out into the fresh air uh out into the scenery nice beautiful places um i suppose when i got older as a teenager and i started uh going on holidays with my friends on the bikes and we would have spent a lot of time in the west and Kerry in up in Antrim and County Down uh, so we had some great times on the bikes and uh, that stayed with me for life and then I got the opportunity later on to cycle in Europe I did quite a bit of cycling in Europe and on pilgrimage routes the Camino to Santiago and uh, the French to Rome and I did it for cycling in America. Um, so, yeah, it's a great way to explore a country. Mm. It's a great way to get off the beaten track and to get a real feel for an area that you mightn't get if you're in the car or if you're just visiting Mercedes, the, the normal tourist areas. Uh, the bus gives you great flexibility, like, you know, and it broadens your, your range, really, of where you can go to, you know. And especially nowadays with these electric bikes coming on the stream now, uh, they're going to be. A fantastic uh way to to get transported you know um i used uh i took bikes in italy a few years ago and i found them phenomenal uh so at some stage i will acquire one myself and that would give me an even greater range uh you know you still get your exercise in but it just it's like having a wind at your back really uh but i certainly think it's the way forward in terms of transport for people uh going to work and so on that's up on your electric bike and you get to the office and you won't be sweating and uh, uh, you know it's it's you get a bit of exercise in maybe four times a day just going to work and obviously there's a recreational cyclist and it has great
1: benefits and you mentioned there maybe it's the way forward going to work and on a more day-to-day basis how realistic is that now and kind of when do you foresee that change happening i suppose because it's probably not in place currently
4: yeah, look, there is definitely an issue, um, I suppose, with bike paths and so on, for safe travelling in, in, in urban areas. Um, the, the big issue you'd see at the moment is that children can't go to school on bicycles. Um, it's just too dangerous. And likewise, with people going to work, uh, at that rush hour period, the roads are chock-a-block with cars, and we don't have that infrastructure there to, to, to do it safely. Um, but maybe if you can pick your route, and maybe alter. your... Your times of starting that you might be able to manage it but certainly there's a lot of work to be done on infrastructure I'd say uh, it has to come and it will come but um, you know the current uh, I suppose uh, standard of well, bike lane and so on is really probably not good enough uh, in terms of a lot of puts you on the bicycle on the paths and down and off paths and Bike lanes come to a sudden stop, and uh, you know, where to go next. And um, so, in the urban environment, I definitely see challenges there, you know. But I would say, in a rural setting, though, I think that there is a great opportunity um, to designate certain roads for cycling. Um, I know that along the canals, for instance, there are just particular signage up there about shared uh, road usage uh, between cyclists and, and cars. And I think if you were to designate certain roads, I uh, mean, we have a fantastic network of local roads in this country. It's it's exceptionally good. Uh, the surfaces are very good. Uh, the council I think do a very good job on maintaining them. But I do think that if there were, let's say, there was a plan in place to link villages and towns together. Um, on designated routes uh, that could work it could definitely work um, I know they're building all these greenways now and there's a big push for them and they're, and they're fantastic but my theory on it is that we all actually have the, the road network that we, that we could use uh, as those greenways Um. But definitely I, I spend all my time on the back roads and I would go to every evening uh, when I'm cycling, I do 20k most evenings and I would do it on more or less traffic free roads and I'm within 10, 15k of carat town all the time.
1: You mentioned there maybe that, um, you know, cycle lanes come to an end or, or different sort of things at play at the moment. What's it like to be a cyclist in Ireland? Is it an enjoyable experience? Can it be frustrating? Could you give us a bit of an insight into that?
4: Well, I think there's two types of cyclists in Ireland. Like if the urban sectors and the the rural sectors if you like. cycling uh, in towns is not, is, <laughs> not pretty. Uh, it is quite challenging at times. And... You know, there can be, you know, I'm a driver myself and drivers can be quite impatient with the cyclist in front of you and want to pass that cyclist even though there's no space to do it. Uh, I think the 1.5 metres isn't being observed and I think there needs to be more enforcement of that. I've seen some really scary clips of cyclists uh, being passed by trucks and cars. You know, I'll talk about within centimetres of them and that's just not acceptable like i mean one of the issues when you're cycling on a bike is that you know you have shores in the road and so on and potholes and you cannot cycle that close to the edge you may have to be out you know two foot uh, three foot uh, to give yourself that's that little bit of safe 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 ground to, to travel on and um it, it, it's there's definitely an issue with with road rage I would say, uh, uh, and, and and cyclists and look on the other side of it too. I know that cyclists can be frustrating for for pedestrians and and uh, by not observing road signs maybe and traffic lights at times, and uh, that obviously needs to be looked at as well. But in terms of the rural rural situations, I've cycled from Mallonhead to Mizzenhead I've cycled from. Blackside Bay to Carlingford, and it's been a joy to cycle on the roads, quite honest with you. I've been on rural roads, local roads all the way in both directions. That's roughly 1,500, fifteen, 1, sixteen hundred kilometres the length and breadth of the country and It was a pleasure to do it. I had no issues whatsoever. Um, I wouldn't cycle on main roads. I just don't cycle on main roads. I just wouldn't risk it. I see a lot of road cyclists are on on the main roads. I just wouldn't do it myself, to be honest with you. i stick to the the, the local roads. And that may mean that you've got to go a little bit longer, but that's what you're out for anyway. You're out for a cycle. Does
1: it need a slight culture change and maybe a societal change particularly in the urban areas and on the national roads as you say that drivers and people in in motor vehicles become far more kind of cognizant of the fact that there's cyclists on the road and that the more cyclists are on the road it will actually be better for the environment and better for you know health everything really
4: oh absolutely look i think it's going to come but it's just slow uh you know we we seem to think in this country that the weather here isn't suitable for cycling but uh ironically you go to holland and denmark and northern european countries the cycling infrastructure is phenomenal and nearly everybody's on a bicycle and the weather isn't a a factor so there does need to be a mindset change here that yeah look at all you have is bad bad clothing you don't have bad weather uh, and you can cycle all year round and from the perspective of drivers yes they've got to change their their attitude to this i mean they've got to they've got to be thinking that uh, the space has to be shared uh they have to understand that you're on a bike you're very very vulnerable uh a driver tips a bicycle and that could be a death you know uh the the risk to the driver is minimal uh, but for the for the cyclist it's it's massive you know um I had a bad accident myself there just a year and a half ago I broke my arm off the bicycle it was my own fault uh and uh, it's just so easy to happen if if you know if, if you're not careful enough but there has to be a, a, a sea change in attitude um but also I mean you know in general terms I think you know speed limits and so on have to be reduced I think it's it's crazy. It's particularly on, on back roads, you see some of the signage for 80 kilometres, 100 kilometres, and really it should be only 30 kilometres. Um, likewise, in town and urban areas. I think they're starting to do it in Dublin now. They're reducing speed limits. I think it is helping. Um, but uh, there, there there's this lack of connect between drivers and, and understanding of the danger of being too close to a cyclist. Like... You know, a cyclist could hit a, a, a bump, uh, a pothole, and it may cause them to swerve. And if you haven't given them 1.5 metres, you're going to have an accident. Uh, so it has to change. And I think that's a better understanding too of cycling etiquette, too. You know, I mean, I hear a lot of people giving out about, say, road cyclists in groups cycling on the road. And a cycling in in pairs rather than in single file, uh, and the reason for that is it reduces the length of the of the group, so it is actually easier to eventually overtake. Uh, whereas if they are in a single file spread out, uh, it can be quite more difficult to, to to pass out. And people have to understand that and have got a little bit more patient and just you know uh, bide your time. You'll you'll get there in the same time probably anyway.
0: That was Turlo O'Brien speaking to Robbie about the benefits of cycling and the positive impact it has had on his life. And Robbie, just coming back to you on, I suppose we've heard the three interviews there now this evening. Would it inspire you to look at uh, taking up cycling as you know an option not only for the environment but in terms of you in general your health and well-being?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, Deirdre, because when I did the interviews I suppose I was thinking about that in the back of my mind from a selfish perspective but also I would like to think that's what listeners were thinking about too when they were listening in and to be honest with you it did and I'm not just saying that for the sake of it first of all because of the amount I've learnt with regards to the environment and I know how beneficial cycling where possible and it is possible in a lot of different ways as I've said before even if you can't think about it right now um, so I would try to do it from that perspective but also as you say for your own health and well-being physically first of all it gets you into really good condition mm. and there's no question about that but also mentally I mean it does so much more for you than just getting in the car all the time so for me if, if it was a choice between cycling and driving and a short distance um, kind of travel every time I try and go cycling now or at least I try to attempt it and I think that's a positive change in my own life that I'm trying to implement as much as possible. Um, As you say, there's there's challenges with longer journeys and, and so forth but
0: and obviously Definitely, safety, uh, a theme as well that has come up both yes, in yeah conversation as well in terms of what, you know, one of the big things obviously from the initiative point of view is making sure that it's safe, shared space for all.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I think Turlow mentioned it there and it is something that we're just going to have to look at as a society. How can we make cyclists feel safer? Because the more cyclists we have on the road naturally you would think there'll be less cars. It's better for the environment. It's better for every single person individually and for all of us as a society so for me the more people we can get on a bike recreationally but particularly on a day-to-day basis going to work going to school the better it'll be for the entire country
0: and I guess that's the uh, the idea of this is for we start making the small changes now when we can yeah Uh, that is all we have time for a lot more to come next week from 6 to 7 as we continue our journey with local people who are making changes to their daily lives in the effort to help the climate a big thanks to all of our guests this evening and thanks to you for listening that's it from Robbie and myself but stay Stay tuned for Fully Loaded with Shannon Redmond coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Follow the leaders, meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. A KCLOR production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.